So y'all ready for the Word of God? Yes. Okay, so I was here in 2019. Um, I was able to share a little bit in the little breakout session, and then I came back and shared about the secret of scars. Uh, I do believe there's beauty in the midst of our suffering. I believe suffering is an invitation to knowing and discovering who God is. Uh, None of us want suffering, right? None of us want to have to face loss, uh, suffering, that's all, it, it goes into the negative, um, the, neg- the negative bowl, hey, if you will. Uh, but I've learned in my life that suffering is an invitation. And if we really say uh, what we sing, um, here I am, God, take me, use me, uh, be careful what we pray for, and be careful what we sing, because he'll do just that. But usually it comes in the form of something that we actually don't want. Um, as I was praying what I wanted to share tonight, um, I believe that I, was, um, I shared a little bit of my testimony in that breakout session, but usually whenever I go somewhere for the first time, that's actually what I share, because I just think there's something so powerful about, about our stories. Um, But I was like, I think I shared it, but I only shared it in the breakout. And so tonight, um, after sharing Secret of Scars, I love that message. But tonight, I wanted to actually share from a personal space. Um, As I said, when I was praying, I came across this. I'm in Mark right now. And it, it was talking about Jesus, and it says that he taught by using stories, many stories. And I love that. I think sometimes as communicators, we, we try to get, um, we, we can tend to lean to, let's see how profound we can get. And even in trying to be, in, trying to be super profound, um, we almost lose ourselves, and it, 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 the focus becomes on us and takes our focus off of him. Tonight, um, Y'all don't want me to be profound because I'll get confused in my words. I'll be like, what am I talking about? Um, but tonight, as I was praying, I, I felt like the Lord was like, "Just, I want you to share your story. And one of my favorite stories in the Bible is out of John 4. It's the woman at the well. And I love this woman because I can connect with this woman. This woman has some issues, okay? She has some issues, and her issues had issues, and they had issues, and everybody had issues. So I was like, you know what? I can relate to her. Um, this woman was an outcast within her community. Um, she had had five husbands, was living with a man that was not her husband. And all of a sudden, one day, she goes to the well, minding her own business. And there she meets a man named Jesus. And this encounter with Jesus completely changed her life forever. And so once an outcast, now after this encounter, she goes back into her hometown. And she begins to share what God had done. And it says that the town was completely changed, transformed, and many were saved because of this woman's testimony. So I'm excited tonight to share my story because I believe every time that I share, I've been sharing my story for, goodness, for about 15 years now, 15 years. And I think it, it never gets old because every time I share, I get a little bit more Authority. I feel like I'm taking back territory. When the enemy tried to wipe me out and destroy my life, um, he tried. He beat me up a little bit, but I'm still standing. I'm not just standing, but I came out stronger, better, wiser, and honestly, a deeper love and understanding of Jesus. And for that, I am grateful. And so, Father, right now, this is about you, Jesus. It's not about me. It's about you receiving the glory. So tonight I lay it all down and I I invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak through me. You see every single person in the room, you know exactly what they need, more than they know what they need. Um, You are here. You've orchestrated every single person to get in their car, drive here. You've orchestrated every single person to click the button and view online. And I believe that you have a specific word for them. I pray that you'll breathe your joy and your peace into the room right where they are. We open up our hearts, any barriers we remove, and we say, come, have your way, speak to us, and teach us new ways about you, Holy Spirit. I think the more we discover you, the more we learn about you, the more we love you. The more we love you, we can't help to serve you and live for you because you're just that good. So we ask that you come and have your way tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Isn't he good? Isn't he good? I love him so much. So I want to tell you a little bit about myself. I was uh, born and raised in Eldorado, Arkansas. Y'all have no idea where that is, right? I know y'all are like, where's she from with that accent? Um, born and raised in Eldorado, Arkansas. My father was actually a full-time evangelist. He's going on 
39 years now. So what my husband does now, my, my dad has done my whole life. And so it's super cool that I actually ended up marrying an evangelist, right? My dad traveling the world doing revivals. Do you know what revivals are? Old school. I feel like, by the way, y'all were singing up here. Y'all had some Pentecostal in you, especially you, girl. I was like, wait a minute. They, they know about revivals here, okay? So my dad held revivals. So he was gone Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. He would come back on Thursdays. My mom was like superwoman, holding it down, three kids. We're all two years apart. I was actually the youngest of three. Um, I never saw my parents argue, never saw, honestly, we were just, it was just a great, like, one big happy family, right? White picket fence, that's kind of what you imagine it. Um, And it was just great. Uh, One day at seven years old, my mom comes, and me and my brother are playing, running around, and she says, hey, I want to tell you something. Come sit on the couch. Uh, I need to share something with you. And so we stop playing, go sit on the couch, and um, right before she begins to tell us something, the phone rings. And all of a sudden, she takes the phone call, and she says, no, I haven't told him yet. I'm about to tell him. And me and my brother start going back and forth on what exactly she's about to tell us. So we're just, we're going through, you know, all the things, the checklist. Are we going to move? You think we're going to move? Oh, I don't think we're going to move. Um, do you think uh, Papa passed away? Maybe passed away? I don't know. Maybe? No, I don't think so. And I'll, I'll never forget, I was like, I wonder if mom and dad are getting a divorce, which I have no, I have no idea why I thought that, because I'm seven and never saw my parents argue. And we're like, ah, oh, no, 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 that's not possible. Well, about that time, my mom comes back and she sits down and she begins to tell us something that would completely change our lives forever. She says, your, your father and I, first of all, you need to know how much we love you. We love you so much. All three of you are amazing children. Uh, love you with all of our hearts. You've done nothing wrong, but your father and I are getting a divorce. And I remember in that moment, I didn't know how bad divorce was. I just knew it was bad, but I didn't understand the fullness of how bad it was until I had to walk that thing out. Um, And so I just remember tears flowing down my little face, knowing that this was not a good thing, right? And what did life look like after this conversation? So dad Instead of coming home to our home, he went over and he lived with my grandmother. And so in order to see my dad, I would leave my mom uh, to go visit my dad. And then all of a sudden to go see my mom, I'd have to leave my dad by himself. And so um, our family overnight was literally completely torn apart. And so going from the extremity of like never seeing them argue to now all of a sudden my family's torn apart, it was a pretty hard hit to our family. And I'm not going to lie, we love Jesus, but we were jacked up, okay? (laughs) So (laughs) with that being said, (laughs) we love Jesus, but it was like the Jerry Springer show. Do y'all know what the Jerry Springer show is? Are y'all like too old or too young for that? Robert's always like, why do you say that? Because no one knows who Jerry Springer is. I'm like, everyone knows who Jerry Springer is. Okay, can you agree with that? Okay, yeah. So that was my family. Hey, everybody. (laughs) We were probably on the show, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But anyways, um, once again, from over, it was overnight. Never fighting, healthy, happy, had everything we wanted, lived in, drove nice cars, you know, lived in nice houses. We were happy, went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, um, in revival, Wednesday night, Sunday school, and then bam, all of a sudden our, our families torn apart. And it was pretty, if we could rate um, dysfunction, a dysfunctional divorce, it was about a 10, okay? And so there was a lot of, of trauma, I think, that hit my heart and these were my developing years, you know, at seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Um, this is what I began to really uh, carry on into my future, which I didn't realize that it was shaping my identity. It was shaping the way that I saw myself. It was shaping the way that I saw the value of family, um, creating voids in my heart, um, deep voids. Um, and every time, you know, once again, uh, my dad eventually, he remarried, which there's nothing wrong with that. He was young, right? And my mom was just unhappy. She was just like, I just don't want to be married anymore. And so my dad eventually remarried. And whenever he brought, um, you know, a, a new woman onto the scene, um, let me just say, I'm a seven Enneagram, so I'm very passionate, uh, very, very passionate, okay? And I'm a fighter for my family. So when I felt like there was another woman on the scene, I was like, wait a minute. How can I make your life as miserable as possible to make you go away? But this is the beauty, though. I admit it. I know it's so bad, right? But God has forgiven me because his blood was enough. You know what I mean? So 
<laughs> so with that being said, um, she stayed, and I'm so glad that she did. But uh, once again, there were cop cars at our house week in, week out. There was a ton of fighting, a ton of dysfunction. Uh, we were in court constantly, um, testifying against this, testifying against that. It was just a mess. And this was shaping the way that I saw my value, myself, my family, the way families should look, um, even godly families because we love Jesus. So it was really distorted. I think it also was painting the picture of how God saw me, which was actually a false picture because I, I knew deep, deep, deep down inside that God loved me. But I'm like, dang, if God loves me, then why is he allowing all of these bad things to happen, right? I think if we are truly honest, that's a question that a lot of, a lot of us ask, yeah? If this God is so good and he could, he could stop it, then why is he allowing it? to happen. And so we continued to live life. My dad, he's married, happy. It's great. Um, my mom, eventually over time, I began to see this woman who was once superwoman. She was once like my rock. You couldn't tell me nothing. My mom was like superwoman. Well, now I just see her start to mentally dwindle away. Um, eventually one of my siblings was sexually abused, uh, within all the dysfunction and that was a, just a huge hit, another huge hit to our family. Um, and from there, my mom just, it just completely took her out. And she had a mental breakdown. And so here's the reality is that I think, you know, divorce in 2021, uh, we see it as, oh, this divorce. I mean, there's like divorce parties and like drive-through divorces. And I'm like, what is happening in the world? Jesus, split the sky, please. Um, but it's crazy because it's so common for us now because I don't even know what the statistics are. I need to look that up. That would be great for this moment, right? But <laughs> I don't have a statistic, but it's just so common. Literally everywhere you look, there's divorce. Um, but I think it is um, such a, a strategy of the enemy to wipe families out. If you look back at the garden, right, what did he do? The first thing that he did was he attacked the family. And I think if he can get the family, it dwindles down down and down. It keeps going, destroying destinies, purpose. And I, I can see that that's exactly what he did. If, you, if you're walking through that, if you're currently walking through divorce or contemplating divorce, there's grace for every situation. This is not a moment to condemn anyone. But I do believe that it is, marriage is hard. Marriage is hard. And to, to paint the picture that it's easy and that it's, it's this love story and it's like magical, no, marriage is a call <laughs> when I tell you. It is the call of God, and it's not always going to be easy. It's, always, it's not always going to be lovey-dovey um, and all the good things. It, it's hard. It's a call. Um, and I believe that the enemy saw the plan of God on our lives, on my family's lives. He put a target on us, and he was determined to wipe us out, okay? So divorce hit. Eventually, my mom's, um, her, her mental breakdown happened. So now once my hero, now all of a sudden she's so fragile, and then that's when her journey of addiction began. So uh, she went and was trying to navigate anxiety, trying to navigate depression, trying to navigate all of these emotions that she was dealing with. Back in that time, therapy was a no-go. If you, if you talked about therapy in church, you were viewed as like demonic, which I think that's demonic. I think that's a lie from the pit of hell to actually say that therapy isn't a great avenue to healing. Uh, who, what is his name? Wonderful counselor. That is who he is. And I believe that the same way he, he speaks through a worship song, the same way that he speaks through the word of God, through a minister, is the same way that he speaks through a counselor. And my mom she couldn't turn to that because that was bad. So eventually she went to the doctor and doctors just gave her medication and more medication and more medication and more medication. And before she knew it, she was an addict. And so for over 25 years of my life, this is how, um, how we live life. Uh, mom was alive, but she wasn't living. Okay. So she was here in the room, but she wasn't really accessible. Um, she just wasn't available. She wasn't what I needed. So as I enter into my teen years, more voids have formed, right? Uh, the lack, the divorce, um, the abuse. To see a sibling walk through something like that was so heartbreaking and damaging. Um, to see my mom dwindle away and choose 
not choose, I hate even saying the word choose, but it's also the reality. Um, She's living this life that I can't fully wrap my head around, so we eventually move out. My dad is traveling, and I kind of had pretty much like a pretty free schedule, kind of doing what I wanted to do. Um, Bad news, right? That's not good. (laughs) That's not good for a 14-year-old. And so I'm looking for anything, anyone, anything that will fill these voids. I was faithful in church. I love, 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 love me some Jesus. Um, And for me, it was very what you see is what you get. So um, I was always in church, but eventually I got into a relationship. And once I got into this relationship, I found myself slowly but surely pulling away from God. This guy, he loved Jesus but didn't really live for Jesus. And I tried to be a savior. Um, I think it's, it's, it's crazy to see the setup and the strategies of the enemy. Um, that's one thing about Satan is that he's patient with us. Um, I think it's calling it, what it, calling it what it is, right? Bringing it to light. I don't want to give him too much credit because he has no authority. Uh, but he does have patience. <laughs> and he, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And so, as I mentioned before, there was a target on our family. And he sat back and patiently waited And he would set up certain things. And to see this void happen and this lead to that and that lead to that. Well, now all of a sudden, this is a perfect time to bring a guy into Taylor's life because she's vulnerable, she's broken, and she needs just something to fill these voids. And so the opportunity was there. This guy comes into my life. And I'm, through counseling over the years, I've been in counseling since I was 19, I learned that I wanted to be for someone what I wanted someone to be for me. So I sought out, really, a guy who, who would do just that and feel that side of me, which is actually very dysfunctional, right, and odd. But that's exactly what I did. I wanted to be for someone, or I was, I was being for someone what I wanted them to be for me. Don't leave me. Don't run away. The voids, be there. Be faithful. Show up. Because I felt like all these things had been stripped away from me. It's so crazy how we make life-changing decisions that would literally completely impact our lives for the rest of our lives out of those voids. And that's why it's so important to lean into the Holy Spirit and ask Him to lead you and guide you when it comes to decisions that you make that could impact you for the rest of your life, such as a relationship. So I get in this relationship, and... I remember, I'll never forget, it was very dysfunctional. Once again, he was young as well. But it was, you know, a lot of lying, a lot of cheating, um, going to the club, me showing up in the club, knowing, I'm like, what am I doing in the club? I don't know, but he's here, so I just want to be here. Like, what am I doing, Taylor, you know? Um, I was not that girl, but then I became that girl because I just wanted his attention. I just wanted his affection. Um, So I began to turn into this person that I actually wasn't. Um, just seeking any affirmation, seeking anything that anything, anyone to fill the voids. How many of us know that only Jesus can fill those voids, right? And so we got into this relationship. We were in this relationship for three years. Um, about, let's see, about two years in the relationship, I was such a pure girl. I mean, he couldn't even touch my knee without me freaking out. I was, don't touch me, you know. Because uh, I just, I love Jesus so much. But over time, um, whenever, you know, the enemy, as I mentioned before, I was, what you see is what you get with me. And so over time, I knew I wasn't supposed to be in this relationship. And I didn't want to go to church and live a life, a fake life. And so this relationship actually pulled me out of the church. So if you're in any relationship that's going to pull you away from the positive things in your life, you're not supposed to be in the relationship. Can we all agree with that? <laughs> So I began to lie. I began to sneak around. I found myself just becoming this person that I never was supposed to be and that I didn't even like, but I was so desperate for this relationship that I was willing to do it. And so I'm in this relationship um, about a year and a half in. I eventually lose my virginity. Well, then I just knew, okay, wait, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. I made a really bad mistake. 
well, I, I have to be with this guy because I just lost my virginity. That's a lie from hell as well. Um, yes, you make mistakes. Um, I know some of you may be like, wait, how are you a Christian and you're sexually active? That's not what I'm saying. Um, I don't believe that you can stay and live in sin, but I did love Jesus. I was just shattered into a million pieces. And I believe that the cross was big enough and is still big enough to meet me where I was then and to, and to graciously love me through it and teach me and convict me and pull me out of that thing. Can we all agree on that? But I felt so trapped. I could not seem to get out of this relationship. Finally, I'm like, I have to pack my bags up. I have to get out of here. The only way that I can overcome this relationship is if I completely just, I graduate. once I graduate from high school, I'm going to Christ for the Nations. I'm going to pursue the call of God on my life because I know there's a call. And I'm going to run after God with everything inside of me, leave everything behind. So I pack up my bags. I am ready to go to Dallas, Texas to pursue worship. Uh, go to Christ for the Nations. Well, um, one day, it was like the last week of school, I believe, and I was about to move away. I was leaving for that summer. That's how desperately I was to get out, how, how desperate I was to get out. And so once I packed up everything, I'm on my way to school. Last day, well, I'm, I'm in a wreck, and my car goes into the shop for two months. Well, within that two-month process, my dad approaches me, and he says, Taylor, I had a dream, and God showed me that you were pregnant. And I'm like, what? That's crazy. Do y'all have those parents where God speaks to them through dreams, and God's going to tell you everything about what you're doing, and you're like, okay, Jesus, like, okay. That's, that's literally how I felt. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, I get it. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, wait, what? For real? That's crazy. And then internally, I'm like running to Walmart. I got like five pregnancy tests. And literally, it's true. It's true, guys. Girls, guys, girls. It's true. So we go, go to a friend's house. I get literally, I'm not exaggerating, five pregnancy tests. And I bring them back and take them. And now all of a sudden, I'm positive. It's, it's, I'm pregnant. So what, what am I going to do? Like here I am, so desperate to get out of this relationship. The only way I can get away is if I literally pack up my stuff and move. My stuff's packed. I'm ready to go. I have my house. I'm ready to go. And now all of a sudden I'm pregnant. What do you do? So for us, I go, I tell my family, and this is what I love about my family. They practice what they preach. We sing about grace all the time, but then all of a sudden someone comes and they're sick spiritually and we judge them and we throw them out like they're trash. How false is that? It's, it's crazy. People, it's like we say, oh, yeah, if you're sick, come. Like the, the church is the hospital, and yet it's not. It's a place of judgment. It's a place of if you're not perfect and polished, which none of us are, then you don't belong here. But I want to tell you today, like whatever you're walking through, guess what? You belong here. You belong here. This is a place for healing. This is a place for restoration. This is a place for redemption because that is who he is. He is a savior. He's not a judge. Well, he is a judge, but he's a savior too, and he's a father, and he's good. And I can say that because I once was a shattered mess, and he met me, and he pulled me out. And that same God that did it for me can do it for you as well. And this is the confidence that I have. So... I love it because my family practiced what they preached. My dad preached Jesus all over the world. And my mom, she loved me through it. My dad came back and he said, you know what? Okay. Okay. We cried. We shed some tears. It was a hit to our family, especially small town. Everyone knew our family. Oh, the Mitchells. Like, yes, pastor's daughter. Oh, wait, what? Taylor? <gasps> Taylor's pregnant. The shame the guilt, the, the embarrassment, all of the things that attached themselves to me in that season and to my family. I was so shattered. I, I felt so, um, I can't even explain the feeling that I had when I thought about what I did to my family. But guess what? They looked at me and said, guess what? God has a plan for you. God has purpose for you. God has a pur purpose for that baby. And what the enemy is, is trying to use to destroy you and wipe you out, we believe that God's grace is big enough, and we're going to get through this. 
and they held my hand. They didn't throw me out. They didn't kick me out. I do believe, parents, that you do need to look your children in the face sometimes and give them that truth. Truth is important. Truth sets us free. But grace and truth goes hand in hand. And that's exactly what my family did for me. They, they spoke truth in the balance of grace. And I always say, I already knew how bad I was. I didn't need nobody else to tell me how bad that I was. I didn't need my dad to look at me and say, you're so bad. If he would have looked at me and said, told me how bad I was and confirmed what I already felt, I think I would have gone even further off the deep end. But his love is what led me to repentance. Him looking at me and speaking life into the dead places. Him looking at me eye to eye and telling me that there's a call of God on my life and that my life's not over is what awakened something deep down as a fight inside of me that I didn't even know I had. His love, His kindness, His mercy through my father, through my mother led me to a place of repentance. And I love it too because adoption, I love adoption. Adoption's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. But for me, adoption just wasn't an option in this season. And abortion, I hate abortion. Hate it. Hate, I hate, I hate abortion with everything inside of me. But you know what? In this room, I know there's some women in here who've had abortions. And guess what? There's grace for you. Do you know how much God loves you? Wherever you are, if I could grab you, your face and look at you eye to eye and tell you that God has a plan for you, that God has purpose for you and that your baby is okay. I hate abortion because it's the same thing as divorce. The enemy comes in and he wants to give us this false quick fix. He comes in, he wants to say, hey, if you just do this, it's gonna make everything better. If you just sign a piece of paper, divorce, hey, everything's gonna get better. My mom still to this day says if she had known how bad divorce was, she never would have followed through with it because the aftermath of divorce was worse than her marriage. But the enemy wants to lie to you and tell you it's a quick fix. Life is hard. Life is hard and you need, apart from the vine, guess what? Apart from the vine, Jesus is the vine. You will be crushed, you will die. But connected to the vine, connected to the vine, staying connected to the vine. That is where your strength's coming from. That is where your peace is coming from, despite what you're walking through. Connected to the vine, you will see beautiful and bear good fruit. Abortion, quick fix. Oh yeah, just go in, it's a secret. Don't tell anyone, because that's embarrassing that you're pregnant. You're gonna embarrass, even parents, I know godly, Godly Christian parents who have told their children because they're embarrassed to go have an abortion. There's grace for the parents, but it's not a quick fix because what happens is they go in, they abort the baby, and then shame attaches itself and condemnation attaches itself. And for the rest of their lives, they wake up every single day with shame hovering, the spirit of shame hovering over their lives, the spirit of condemnation, the spirit of depression and anxiety because of that bad decision, that one decision. God has come to bring life. And tonight, I want to break off shame of your life, off of your life. I love it because it happens every time. It's not me, it's, it's, it's the power of God. The power of God, He is real, He is alive, He is able. The blood of Jesus washes us white as snow. So moving forward, I said, okay, let's have, let's have this baby. And so I carry the baby. Eight months, 32 weeks, 
Christmas Eve of 2005, I will never forget it. It has made an imprint on my life forever. It's why I'm here today. Christmas Eve, 2005, I'm feeling some pains and something's going on and I don't know really what's going on. And so me and my sister, we go to Applebee's. It's like the only restaurant we had in my hometown. It was like a big deal, five star, right? So we go Christmas Eve and we're eating and all of a sudden I'm like, I just don't know what's wrong. Something's going on. I'm just having some pain. And they pray for me at the table and then I dismiss myself, go to the restroom and Something's just not right. So eventually she comes in. I'm like crying. I'm like, help me. I don't know what's going on. Can you just take me to the hospital? So we go to the hospital. And all of a sudden, go in, rush me in, check me. I'm dilated to a 10. So I'm about to have my baby. And so they, next thing I know, my water's breaking. They're calling family. People are rushing in. And I'm about to literally deliver the baby. They say, hey, we're going to take you into a C-section. Once my water broke, he went breach. So we got to get her into the C-section, get him out. So next thing I know, they rush me down and go to sleep, surgery, wake up. When I wake up, this will be something I never forget. My father was sitting on my left and my mother was on my right and first things first, as a mother, I'm, where is Micah? Where is he? I want to hold him. And whenever, um, I'll never forget it. My dad and mom were rubbing my arms and my dad put his head down and he began to cry. Second time I've ever seen him cry. Um, they tell me that Micah didn't survive the surgery, the birth. And so... I'll never forget that moment because it was one more thing that was taken from me. And it was a trigger. That's what's crazy about loss and suffering and trauma is it's triggers. And so Micah's death triggered the divorce and triggered the, my mom's addiction. And it was just one more loss. And I, I had felt that like me and Micah, no one could take him away from me. Like this is one thing I have control over and no one can take him away from me. It's going to be me and him, us against the world. We're going to change the world for Jesus because God's going to write this story. And all of a sudden I wake up and Micah is gone. Micah is gone. One more thing stripped away from me. They wheeled me back into the room and I sat, into the, I sat in the hospital bed for three days. And I'll never forget they brought him into me and I was able to hold him for 18 and a half hours. And I have some photos for you because never forget, this is my Micah baby. That's a picture of grace. Some of you may think, oh, that's weird pictures. But I do it because sometimes you just don't believe the story until you actually see it. I shouldn't be here today. You see what I'm saying? Like, I should not be standing on this stage. But that's a picture of grace because it was his death. It was his death that brought me life. It was the stripping of my baby that brought me to a place of such desperation for something more. And God has a way of doing that in His love and His grace and His sovereignty. Sometimes He'll strip us down to nothing so that we can fully understand and acknowledge that He is all that we need. He is more than enough. He's not just enough temporarily. He's enough. He will always be enough. The cross was enough. The cross is enough. The cross will always be enough. And in that moment, God rescued Micah. I couldn't have given him a life that he deserved. And God rescued me from myself. It was suffering. 
that all of a sudden this Savior that I had heard about and read about in Sunday school revivals, all those things, my dad taught me about him. He no longer was just Savior from afar. He became personal Savior. He became tangible Savior. He came into that hospital room. My God, he came and he met me in that hospital room. He met me. He met me right there in my brokenness. He met me right there, filthy, dirty, insecure, full of shame, full of guilt, full of a million voids. And and he picked up piece by piece and he began to put my heart back together again. And he said, I know this happened to you, Taylor. I know, and I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And I'm so sorry that your mom did that. And I'm so sorry that he did this. And I'm so sorry, but I'm enough. And I am who I say I am. I am a God who makes all things new. I am a God that gives peace that passes all understanding. I am a God who will come down and breathe life into the dead places. I'm gonna, I'm gonna breathe life into you full of, and, and, and pour out my, my plans and my purpose and all the things that I have for you and bring it back to life again. You're not defined by your past mistakes but I call you by who I created you to be. And that's what I need someone to know tonight, that you're not defined by your past mistakes. You're not too far gone. Sometimes we think we're too dirty, right? We think we're too far gone, that there's no way that God has purpose after what I've done, plans after what I've done. I'm too far gone. You're never too far gone. You're never dirty enough, too dirty enough. to be able to receive his love and his grace. You're not disqualified. This is the invitation. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need a savior. If we were perfect and all polished and put together, we wouldn't need the cross. The cross brings us to a place of, we are imperfect beings in desperate need of a savior. And when I choose to carry that shame into my future, guess what I say? The cross wasn't enough. I want you to hear that, someone to hear that today. Because sometimes you just got to call it, like I said earlier, like what it is. Because we don't really understand, we just feel shame. When you receive shame and you walk in that shame, that action actually says, Jesus, you weren't enough. But when we say, you know what, shame, get away from me. You have no place in my life. You know what you say? The cross was enough. You say, Jesus, you were enough. The blood of Jesus was enough. So now I walk in the newness of all that he has for me. And so what did life look like from that moment on? I don't want to sit here and tell a sob story. This isn't a sob story. This is my story. This is my song. And I will live to tell. As long as I'm alive, I promise you, 50 years from now, if I'm still living, guess what I'm gonna be doing? Holding a microphone, telling the story of who I once was and who I am today. And the only reason that I'm here today is by the grace of Jesus. And so what did I do moving forward? I knew that I couldn't do it on my own. If I continued to live in my own strength, I was gonna continue to remain shattered and continue to make the worst mistakes. So what did I do? I surrendered. I said, Jesus, I can't do this another day. I will not do this another day without you. He doesn't need our perfection. He needs our surrender. God, I'm not perfect, far from perfect, but I surrender. I surrender my insecurities. I surrender my emotions and my anxieties and my future and my lack and my voids and I surrender it all and I I say, come. And guess what he did? He came. And I could trust him because he's trustworthy. I could trust him because he's trustworthy. People will fail you. If you get close enough to me, I'm gonna fail you. So I don't know why people put preachers on a pedestal and pastors and leaders because guess what? You get close enough to us, we're gonna fail you. People will fail you, but you know who won't fail you is Jesus. Jesus is all that we need. And he uses people. 
right? He works through people and the gifts, that's great. But none of us are saviors. None of us are perfect. Jesus is the one who feels. And Jesus filled me. And so I got up and I began to pursue the call of God on my life. Everything that I had dreamed of being and becoming, I pursued it. So I packed up everything I owned and I moved to Dallas, Texas and I went to Christ for the Nations. This is my favorite part because this is what surrender looks like. When you surrender, He exceeds your expectations. He gives you things you don't deserve and He gives you a whole life that you you would have settled for and now all of a sudden it's like, whoa, wait, what? For real, God? For real? You're gonna get, oh my God. I, I still do that. I did it today. For real? Lord, dang, I shouldn't be here. And it's so beautiful because he began to restore every aspect of my life that the enemy tried to destroy and wipe out. And he began to restore slowly but surely, not overnight. That's the thing. He's a, he's a God of process. So while he is a miraculous God and can do it in a moment, he could do anything in a moment. In a moment because he's mighty. But most of the time, God works in the process. Because it's almost like a spoiled child that gets everything they want, right? You can always point them out. Like, even my kids, I'm like, oh, I need to start withholding because you are just so spoiled, you know? You could tell, like, they get everything they want. That's not a gift, right? That's not a gift when you just get everything handed to you. God, in His grace, He's a, he's a process God, a God of process because it just makes you appreciate things a little bit more, right? When you got to work for it a little bit. (laughs) And so I would get up, great days, two steps forward, and then all of a sudden I'd mess up five steps back. And all of a sudden I'd get up and, oh, he makes all things new. Like his mercies are new every morning. Like his grace is sufficient for today. 10 steps forward. And then all of a sudden, oh, five steps back and it was a process but guess what in his grace he held my hand and we just danced we just danced a little bit he's like okay Taylor it's gonna be okay I'm God and I'm gracious and I love you and I'm here and I'm never gonna leave you or forsake you I'm always gonna be here you can't run from me because I'm always gonna be here because I love you that much you keep running from me hey I'll still be here He would pop up, conviction, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. But his love, because he loves me. He loves me. And so I watched him restore different different aspects of my life. Uh, The first night I ever shared my testimony, it was a big deal. It wasn't even a year since I lost Micah. There was a guest speaker that showed up. It was supposed to be Eddie James, but he got a flat tire. And so then they called in another guest speaker, and this speaker's name was Robert Madu. Robert Madu spoke the night I shared my testimony for the first time. My friend was there. She actually wanted to hook us up. That's a whole other story. She's like, do you think he's cute? I'm like, oh, wow. Like, he's so cute. And like, I've never seen anyone like him. And like, oh, my God. Literally, this is true. I was just like. Get yourself together, you know. And I I was always so grateful for that because we eventually went on like a little date and then six years later we're married. But I love it because even God in His grace, He, Robert knew my junk before He even met me. Like I didn't have to go to Him in my shame and my, I was so concerned and felt so unworthy of like a godly man because I'm like, I'm so dirty. And, and yet, all my junk, the Lord just was like, here you go. <laughs> and so then by the time I met Robert, I'm like, well, you kind of already know everything. So if you're still here, then, hey, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> sorry, you know, it's, it's a process. <laughs> and so he was still here and he kept coming back. And then six years later, he put a ring on my finger. You know what I mean? And I loved it because it's cool because it's, we're just two different people. We're, we're perfect for each other. 
because because Robert is this like theologian, like just brilliant parents, you know, never, he never, I don't even think he's seen his parents argue, you know, um, but in that season, Robert really hadn't been through much and but he carried that word of God, that truth, and he gets on stage and he'll blow your mind. He has a very big vocabulary. I still like have to pull out dictionary.com because I don't know what he's saying. I'm like, yes, that's right. And then there's me, country bumpkin from Arkansas, here for it. I'm here for it. That sounds weird, right? I'm not here for it, but I am. I'm from Arkansas, proud, that's what I mean. Um, but I carry into the marriage, into our relationship, the compassionate side of, of God, the grace, the grace, that that's how I know God. And it, it's so cool because we balance each other out so, so well, and only God could do that. And I'll never forget uh, before we got engaged, Robert, one night I was crying, I just don't deserve you. I don't deserve a man like you. And I remember he said, do you believe in the grace of God? I said, yeah, of course I believe in the grace of God. And I was like, isn't that just like all of us? We say we believe in the grace of God, but then when it comes to us, we don't think it's enough for us, right? And it was in that moment where that spoke so deeply to me that when I carry shame, as I just mentioned, that I'm, I'm saying it wasn't enough, but like if I can truly walk out and live this life of confidence, that's saying that Jesus is enough, and I know that he's enough. And so that changed my thinking. It changed my view of God in the best way. Um, you know, my family, as I said, we were like the Jerry Springer show, but I love it because now it's like we're one big happy family. It's actually kind of comical. Like, I'm like, what is happening? What is happening? Like Thanksgiving, like my whole family was together. And my stepmom's over here at this table. My mom's over here at this table. And like one of them's going to Target. And the other one's like, hey, can you give me some Cinnamon Toast Crunch whenever you go? And I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy that once upon a time, we couldn't even be in the same room with each other because it was literally cops, like fist fights, and it was chaos and yelling and screaming. And now it's like, hey girl, can you pick me up some? And it's like, only God could do that. And I think... The reason I, I want to paint that picture is because I want to encourage you today to keep circling those prayers. That I don't know how long it's going to take for God to respond, but I love uh, Mark Batterson. Our prayers don't die when we do. God answers them forever. Um, forever and ever and ever and ever. And we write the future with our prayers. And I believe... I'm benefiting from just that, from the nights where I prayed, God, please restore my family. It didn't look like what I thought it was going to look like. And sometimes that's how he, he does it. It's not necessarily going to look like what we think it should look like, but he listens, he responds if it's according to his will. And that's exactly what he did. He brought restoration to our family. So my family being restored. My mom now, 25 years, September of 2019, my mom was freed from addiction. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. 25 years, 25 years. I don't know what you're believing God for. If you go through my journals, you'll see, God, please free mom from addiction. Free mom from addiction. Free mom from addiction. Free mom from addiction. New journal, free mom from addiction. Free your God, set her mind free. Free mom from addiction. 25 years later, guess what God did? He freed mom from addiction. He freed my mama from addiction. And it's a process. We're all a working process, right? Progress process, one of them. But he's faithful. And lastly, this is, I'm not gonna lie, this is my favorite part, is, you know, for so many years, my heart, it was still the void of Micah. I needed to know um, Micah was okay. I knew Micah was okay. He's okay. He's okay, right? He's okay. Yeah, he's okay. I was in my dorm room and that day woke up. I was having a hard day. Micah, Micah would have been two. Um, I go to work. I'm sitting at the desk as, an, as a nanny and I get this MySpace message. That's how long ago that was. Do y'all know what MySpace is? Oh my gosh, I feel super old. Wow. Wow. I'm old. Wow. 
and literally um, get the message in. The title is Micah. So I'm like, what? My heart was hurting that day. I, I just needed to know Micah was okay. When I open up the message, this is for someone in the room tonight. I feel it. I love when God works. I love when God works. It said, Micah, I, I, it was me and him, and we were in this beautiful field of flowers, and the colors were just so amazing, and there were butterflies everywhere. And he was running and laughing and chasing the butterflies, and he was having so much fun. I remember thinking, oh, I wish you were here so bad. I wish Taylor was here. So all of a sudden, he grabs my hand, and he takes me to uh, this greenhouse where all the valuable flowers were stored. And she said, in the, in the greenhouse, we walk in, and there's pictures of you everywhere. She said, they're hanging on the walls. They're hanging from the ceilings. And Micah says, these pictures are my mommy. And they remind me that I get to see her again. I mean, is that not the sweetest thing you've ever heard? Like the intentional God that we serve. First of all, it makes me happy because I'm like, if there's pictures of me in heaven, that means I'm going to heaven. So that's like something to celebrate, right? Like I'm going to heaven, y'all. <laughs> For real though, right? Like, this is great news for me. Um, but then it's like, on this day, I needed to know Micah was okay. And that while God is a God of the universe and He's so massive and He holds the stars in place and the waters in place and He calls the stars by name and He counts the numbers of hairs on our head and, but yet He's so intentional. And he's so willing to meet us right where we are. And on that day, I needed to know Michael was okay. So therefore he sent a messenger through a dream that there's pictures of me in heaven and Micah's okay and he's chasing butterflies and he's happy and he knows me and that one day we're gonna be together again. He's so sweet. God is so sweet. He's not mad at you. He loves you. And so now I have my three beautiful babies. Micah is okay. My three beautiful babies bring me healing in such a way. Oh, they bring me healing. They stretch me too. They stretch my faith. Thank you, Jesus. But I found so much healing in them. And God continues to write our story. And so today, I am here today because I just love talking about Jesus. I love talking about His redemption, and I believe in His redemption. I believe that you're not here by accident, but you're here because God has strategically brought you here tonight to hear a story of redemption so that you can know that His grace is enough, His grace is sufficient, not for everyone else around you, but for you. You're not too far gone, that He has a plan and He has purpose for you. I want everyone to stand to their feet. I don't know what you're walking through tonight, but I know that obviously last week was a really hard week. A lot of people face a lot of loss. So a lot of people are trying to recover emotionally from what happened last week, anxiety and depression and just a lot of things. It's been, it's been a huge hit to a lot of people, even 2020. I mean, let's get real. It's been a big hit to all of us, um, but we serve a God that is enough. And I don't know about you, but I want to come to a place in my faith that I'm unshakable, that no matter what comes my way, He is enough, that He is the solid rock on which I stand because all other ground is sinking sand, that He is the anchor, that when everything else is going crazy around me, I am anchored in Christ. When we try to do things on our own, well, it's a train wreck. When you surrender your life, I promise you, you'll be blown away at what God wants to do in your life. 